Hello and welcome to the eWellbeing podcast. I'm Raquel and today I'm joined by guest co-host Phoebe, one of our eWellbeing ambassadors. Hello. eWellbeing is a mental health platform brought to you by the digital team at YMCA Downsling Group to provide young people with tips, ideas and easily accessible support for their mental health and wellbeing. You can check us out at e-wellbeing.co.uk. The eWellbeing podcast is focused on all things mental health. Each episode features an interview with an expert, artist or mental health practitioner on different topics impacting young people's wellbeing. In today's episode, we'll be talking about creativity. Just a quick content note before we start. In this podcast episode, we will talk about sensitive subjects such as racism, discrimination and mental health. If at any point you're affected by anything discussed in this podcast, please reach out for help. If you are in crisis, you can contact the Samaritans on 116123. That's for free if you're in the UK and Ireland. They give confidential listening support 24 hours a day. Now on with the podcast. Today we're joined by Aflo the Poet, a Brighton-based spoken word artist and scholar activist. She uses poetry to express her lived experiences and to challenge dominant narratives. Particularly in light of the Black Lives Matter movement and how this impacts mental health. Welcome, Aflo. Um, please tell us a bit more about who you are and what you do. Hello. Hello, Raquel. Hello, Phoebe. Thank you for having me. Um, so my name's Aflo the Poet. I'm a PhD student at the moment at the University of Brighton, and I'm researching how people who experience psychosis, how they experience intimacy. Um, and I've decided after the movements of 2020 to actually bring the aspect of race into that as well because black people are statistically more likely to experience psychosis but there's a real lack of research specifically on black people who experience psychosis and in general with intimacy as well so um, I'm researching that which is exciting um, and that brings me into my activism as well um, so in 2020, I guess I was quite visible around Brighton um, in the BLM protests. Um, before that, I'd say maybe I've been more of an armchair activist or a keyboard activist. But I guess 2020 is kind of where I found my feet and my confidence. Then like segueing neatly on into the other hat I wear. Um, a lot of my confidence has come from poetry and performing um, spoken word. Uh, and I started doing that in 2019, so not all that long ago. Um, but it started because I I decided that I just wanted to perform and I made it a like New Year's resolution type thing. Uh, and then I got the opportunity to perform on International Women's Day and I wrote a poem about my experiences um, being a woman of colour as well as um, experiencing quite traumatic mental health issues and what that experience was like for me um so it's always been about like bearing my soul and that I found that really cathartic particularly how I'm able to connect with people um so yeah that's kind of 
those are the things that I do <laughs> amazing oh, that's like, amazing I, yeah I would not have thought that you only started poetry in 2019 hearing your work it's fantastic and also like that's really interesting stuff you're doing with your research that sounds really like it's going to be really important stuff yeah I would love to read that <laughs> It's going to be a long end. It's going to be like mm. 80,000 words by the end. Oh, wow. <laughs> so we've got some questions for you from our youth ambassadors, Sean and Yasmin, um, about your poetry, your creative process and campaign work. But first up, we'd love to hear some of your poetry. I will start with one called An Ode to My Shoulders. Um, I'm privileged enough to be able to be in therapy and I've been with the same therapist for two years she's really she's changed my life uh, but one of the things she told me to do when I went to her with my shoulders around my ears like I'm so stressed I'm so anxious I'm so tense please help me she suggested writing a poem um, to my shoulders um, and it really it really helped uh, release some of that tension so whenever I perform this I also give this little uh, ad lib I guess to encourage people um, to try and connect with their bodies more through creativity and with writing and to try and communicate with the parts of our bodies where we're holding tension because um, yeah made a world of difference to me so this is an ode to my shoulders dear shoulders I've been noticing you from the corners of my eyes and I think it's time we take the time to talk about what's been going on between us the pair of you make me want to kiss my teeth every time I see you've risen from beneath. Like, why are you trying to kiss my ears for? I need you to back down and then back down some more. I need you to stay in your lane and know your place because my hoops are in need of some personal space. Sometimes it feels like you're trying your best to get in my head and don't get your guard up. But sometimes you make me wonder what the hell your problem is. Like, why are you always coming round here trying to get things started? Like, guys, for real, it's cool. We're fine. Relax. Calm down. Sit back. Sniff some lavender oil. Take a... Mm. Is it because you're yearning for someone to stroke and soothe you? Or is it because you're scared another person is going to bruise you? Conditioned by hypervigilance, you spring to attention at every touch, sound and sight. My pair of protectors, you stand alert and ready to fight all throughout the day and from what the mornings feel like, the night. You are the broadest part of our body and tension spans across you, making you think you need to shrink and not display the strength we're growing every day. My sisters, you have grown accustomed to carrying the weight of the world and though the burden of trauma is pretty close to being lifted, you still pounce into action as if nothing has been shifted. You two are like a pair of helmets that have fallen from my head. And even though you're not on top, you still try your best. And when it's all too much to process, you're there by my side and try with all your might to lift the weight from my mind. A head and shoulders above the rest, my darlings, you do more than your fair share, but you're tired and you're stressed. So let me take you by the hands and say thank you from the bottom of our hearts for bearing so many blows and for carrying us this far. And I wanna let you know, you two are not alone. We're all in this together from our head to our toes. And though we know our journey to recovery is not over, we can take a deep breath, exhale the tension together 
while you take a step back and I lead us through whatever weather. Because we always have, until the end we always will, survive whatever gets thrown at us, because survival, that's our skill. You resilient bad, mm, you are a pair of pillars. With thanks and best wishes, Annie. Oh, that was amazing. Wow. Yeah, I love that. Oh, I feel so privileged to get that little, like, personal um, performance. Performance, yeah. yeah. Amazing. That was so, like, embodied. Yeah. I use poetry as a, as a real release. So I think we hold so much tension, so much trauma and so many memories within our bodies that it can really wear you down over the years. So need to find a way of trying to express that and let that out yeah amazing you know we showed this poem to our um youth ambassadors at our last group and they were really impressed they really loved it but one of the comments that came out was that like it's really nice to hear poetry that we can connect with because most of the poetry that they'd heard through their lives have been like Shakespeare or you know like stuff that they can't really connect with anymore and it's really nice to have like something modern that like resonates with their own experience Oh, same, same. Like, honestly, if you'd have asked me two and a half years ago if I liked poetry, I would have said no. (laughs) (laughs) I think we're shown a particular kind of poetry and bringing in, like, the activism hat now. My form of poetry, I like to see it as decolonising, decolonial, because we've had a lot of standards and limits and boundaries put in place by white people who have been successful in their crafts and then it we sort of modeled then what that craft should look like on how they did it when actually that's really restrictive for creative forms and saying that like I don't know that a poem needs to have a certain number of syllables or number of lines or it needs to be rhyming couplets that's really controlling and constraining and language in and of itself is beautiful like it shouldn't have to follow any rules I think yeah, I would agree, definitely. Yeah, that sounds, hopefully this will inspire some people to get out and just like write some stuff down and even if they don't think that they're good at poetry, hopefully this will inspire some people to have a go. I hope so, I hope so. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, one of our first questions is from our eWellbeing ambassador, Sean. Hi, I'm Sean, I'm 21. Hi, Sean. How has writing and performing poetry helped you deal with your emotions? To be honest, I think I I had to do a lot of work within myself before I felt ready to perform. Um, I so I, I'm diagnosed with borderline personality disorder and complex PTSD, um, but it I don't think it really matters about labels. It matters more what your experience is. So my experience has been that I've been scared for a really long time. Um, and dealing with things inside and um, being quite um, implosive. So I, I I go in on myself and I might look outgoing, but it's just, that's an act. And then to be able to perform poetry, it's, it it may look like an act, but it's not. That's your, for, my, for me anyway, that's my true self. So I think I had to do a lot of work um, through therapy and self-care and communicating with friends um, to get to that point where I felt comfortable, I guess, to expose myself because a lot of my poetry is really personal. Um, mm. And now that's healing for me. 
I think before if I'd have gone and done that when I wasn't ready it could have been really traumatizing even more because when you expose yourself and you're not ready once it's out there it's out there you know and for me wanting to do poetry came about because I was wanting to engage with people more about my past experiences and my recovery and what it feels like and trying to connect with people so yeah but I guess since then um so particularly looking at 2020 um and the BLM movements and so poetry for me then was really cathartic as a way to process what I was going through and to be able to share that with other people and feel feel less alone particularly in a pandemic where you are in isolation I always think that well from what you say it's very personal isn't it sharing your poetry so then you have to kind of be prepared to be that vulnerable to people who you don't even know and then to be able to feel maybe like relief or satisfaction with doing that like that's really like helpful to to you absolutely I didn't used to put anything on the internet it was only really from March April 2020 onwards when everything started changing that <laughs> it's a good lesson in like to let go of your like perfectionism sometimes and just like try something out put it out there see what happens and you might be surprised by the response like the response from others but also like how you feel about it might change you know I know that whenever I go to like paint or draw something I have this image of what it's going to look like in my mind and it, it doesn't it doesn't get there but that doesn't <laughs> mean that what I produce isn't good enough or that it isn't good or that someone else might not look at it and like it um so Sean had some questions about your creative process she asked what is your own creative process when writing a new poem and how do you stay motivated how do you spark creativity when you're having writer's block to be honest I think when I have writer's block I, I just have writer's block well I read something recently that um people who are perfectionists um, which can often be a trauma response and a mental health response because we lack the self-esteem and we we want we we feel like it needs to be perfect and that if it's just perfect then everything else will fall into place. So if you're a perfectionist and you can't see yourself doing it perfectly, you won't get started. Otherwise, you'll only get started when you know you're going to run out of time and you've just got to do it anyway. Um, and unfortunately, that's me. Like every academic year, I'm like, no, I will change. And it's it's not who I am. I think I write quite well under pressure. So a lot of my stuff is written in like a few hours or a day before um, I said I'd write a poem for something. <laughs> <laughs> but my process of doing it is I might have a line or a rhyming couplet. And then from the word that rhymes... I'll then try and find lots of words that rhyme with it and see where I go. It doesn't have to be like an exact rhyme. I really like near rhymes. And I feel like that's my little decolonial touch on things. Things rhyme more in speech than they do on paper. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've got an example. Nothing rhymes with orange, but you could say door hinge. You could. That's yeah. great. Yeah, that's a banger. <laughs> don't know what context that would be useful in but Who knows? there you go a little bit of inspiration for you Aflo <laughs> yeah we'll see where we go with that yeah um I'll try and credit you <laughs> <laughs> amazing I know I struggle with trying to remember things particularly long 
sentences how do you remember some of your poems a lot of the time when I'm writing it down I've got like a flow in my mind and I feel like giving something rhythm helps you to remember it and then I remember it in little chunks and like you have to have the self-belief you might hear a song from 15 years ago and immediately all the lyrics come spewing out if I can still have steps in my mind all these years later (laughs) I'll try and remember this poem. And I think it's a similar process of just listening over and over again. So what I do is I record it on my phone, like reading it out loud. And I'll do that a few times until I get it right. And then I'll listen to it over and over and over again. And then I'll start trying to like say it along as I'm doing it. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it's about repetition, I guess. And it's totally fine to not remember your stuff. Like when I used to go to open mics, And even when I do things online with people, there's other people who are reading and there's some poems when they're new or ones that I don't do very often, I'll read them for sure off my phone or my laptop. And I don't have the capacity to remember everything. Like That's okay. But yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't um, let that deter you if you can't remember your words because you can still do an amazing job with a pretty little notebook or with a snazzy little phone case like Mm -hmm. it can be an extra oh yeah I think that would be really helpful for some young people to know hey everyone hope you're enjoying the episode we've just got a quick message from Josh next YMCA right here is a well-known online service directory for 16 to 25 year olds living in Brighton and Hove has been relaunched where to go for.co.uk does exactly that tell you where to go for for services information as well as hosting resources and guides made by young people it also hosts our ymca right here campaigns and our shiny new site has a have your say section which gives you up-to-date information about where and how you can have your say on the issues that are most important to you so whether you are looking to find your newest sexual health clinic or you want to want to know how to grab some free condoms or you want to see if your local youth club has anything on today, or where to get mental health and well-being support, such as e-wellbeing, head to wheretogofor.co.uk. Thanks, Josh. Now back to the podcast. Yeah, so next up, we have a question from Yasmin about how creativity can help you when you're struggling with your mental health. Hi, I'm Yasmin, and I'm 20. Hi, Yasmin. Why is it important for young people to have a creative mind whilst going through their own recovery? So for me, creativity is important in recovery because it's about having that unique expression um, and being able to have your own voice and being able to work through what it is that you want and what it is that you feel and not necessarily what someone else is telling you. And I get that I'm 28 now so services have changed a lot since I first entered them in like my early teens um and I'm so thankful for that because it was it was challenging um and for me yeah creativity has been an important part of owning what it is for me and not bowing to everyone else's rules or expectations yeah I think I think that's a good point you make about it being a unique like you know mental health is such a unique experience for everybody and so however they need to recover that's you know that's valid for them and 
and you know creativity can be such a great way to express your feelings and to to get in touch with how you're feeling as well and just like just a really nice thing to do as well just to like relax your mind absolutely like particularly if you haven't been given the space or the validation to feel your feelings then dedicating time for yourself to explore that either like on paper or like typing on your phone or with a paintbrush or whatever that may be is then really important because you're allowing yourself and granting yourself something that you may have been denied. Following up from that, um, Yasmin had another question, which was, Can you explain the link between creative expression supporting mental health, particularly for young people? Yeah, I guess it's about that exploration really and being able to put something on paper that that you may not have been able to see before because it's been in your head I remember when I was maybe like 13 14 and my family went on this like it was a Buddhist retreat like if you met my family now it would be like how did you do that that seems like not the thing you would have done but yeah we did that and I remember doing art therapy there for the first time and then went and just found the materials that spoke to us and created this picture. And then when I was, you were supposed to just like act and not think too much about it. But then when I was explaining what I'd done to the art therapist afterwards, like what came out was amazing. Like if like, I didn't know that I was doing that um, in that exercise. And I really, like I, I don't remember a lot from that time in my life, but that memory's always stayed really clear and I still feel like that's how I write with poetry. A couple of weeks ago I wrote a piece because it was the Survivor Network's 30th anniversary and I wrote about my lived experience of survival and I think I articulated it in a way that I hadn't been able to do for myself before because I was given that prompt. Yeah, so I think the thing about creativity, I guess, is like you get the tools and it can it can let you express things that you hadn't even realised you were feeling. And you sort of give yourself the framework. You say, OK, I'm going to sit down now for an hour with these things in front of me and just see what comes out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And And people don't have to like hear or see whatever you're doing. It can just be for you. You don't have to do it with the intention of sharing things. There's lots of things I've written or started writing that haven't seen the light of day and they might do and they might not but do it for yourself that's the most important thing it's crazy because like within everyone's mind is everything they've ever experienced but you don't remember all of that because it's like pushed to your subconscious so when you're doing something and you're not realizing you're doing it then someone explains to you oh like oh you've done this because this is kind of like I'm still thinking of that even though I'm not thinking of it absolutely I work with this model in therapy Janina Fisher's model of trauma which understands trauma meaning that like your brain kind of splits into a normal going on with life part and these traumatized child parts which have these innate responses of fight flight freeze submit um, and attach and I feel like sometimes it's a wounded part or a smaller part of me that is not my adult brain that might be writing some of the poetry and expressing how they feel and it's more of like it's a mixture and trying to listen to all of the parts of myself but like you say in the subconscious it's been a good exercise getting to know myself better 
Yeah, definitely. Wow. It's just amazing, like amazing to think about what we as humans can experience and then and how it affects us like for, forever potentially. But like how like therapy or like there's things that can help people to like understand and deal with and like think about things that they might have thought, oh no, like that was 30 years ago. I don't need to think of that anymore. Whereas like it's important to pay attention to your experiences and how they affect you and how you can use them in a positive way absolutely I hate the phrase whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger because it's just not true like it can make you a hell of a lot weaker or you could come out exactly the same to come out stronger is a real achievement and that's through your work and like you've done that it's not just because you survived it no it's because of what you've managed to do with it and really taking ownership of that definitely Um, yeah it's like active participation and wanting to like heal from whatever exactly exactly and I feel like it just gets brushed under the carpet sometimes um you made yourself stronger it wasn't the thing Mm -hmm. um and there's no need to be grateful that it happened just because you did come out stronger. Be grateful for the power that you have within you. You are the one that managed to pull you through it. Yeah, that's powerful stuff. Yeah. Um, so on to the next question. So your spoken word poetry is really powerful and it tackles it's such important issues, especially now in the current climate. Sean wanted to ask... As we can see from your online presence, you're really involved in taking social action and campaigning for change. Why are you so passionate about the things that you do? Mm, this is a really good question. And when I'm burnt out, I, I ask myself that. I'm not sure if I have like a solid answer, so we'll try and work through it together. Um, personally, Race has always been something that's been really important to me. So I'm I'm mixed race. My dad is Jamaican um, and my mum is British. And before I started school, like my dad made it really clear to me what people can and can't call me. He made clear what my identity was. And I was proud of that. Um, but my, my parents' relationship didn't work out. And my dad left when I was quite young. Um, and I grew up in a town that was all white there weren't many other black and brown people at school anywhere else in the town but yeah so I I grew up kind of having an identity crisis and I I studied psychology at uni and race and identity came up a lot there and I kind of started to find my feet and my voice a lot more in how I felt around injustice I like to say that I'm an intersectional feminist but I'm, I'm always learning and so then in terms of race I find that I I find it bizarre that like people look back on slavery and think like oh how they would have done things differently and it's like you realize like now is your time to make clear what side you're on and it seemed like in June people made that really clear and they made all these big promises like there were 10,000 people plus marching in Brighton in June and that was amazing me and my friends were all saying oh this is feels different this time mm. we're speaking to our family members who were older and tired who who knew that it wasn't going to be necessarily different this time and we're like no it, it is it's going to be different this time and I still believe it like 
it's a very long-winded story of saying why I do this and it's because it's just it's important to me and it's ingrained within me like I wake up every day and this is my identity like and even though I am tired and I'm burnt out and I do take time and I do rest I I will never stop because anti-racism is a it's a journey not a destination <laughs> exactly mm. it's so important so important because what happened that shouldn't have never have happened and the whole aftermath should never have happened because we should already be at the point that we're trying to strive to. Last summer, the Black Lives Matter movement ignited a lot of protests and debates about racism due to incidents in the US, UK and across the world. It's now 2021 and things are quieter on the BLM front. Why is it important to keep the conversation going? It seems like a question that shouldn't need an answer and I know that it does because it falls off people's radars so quickly but like if there's anyone in your life you care about who is black or who is a person of colour that is why you need to keep the conversation going if you were committed if you posted a black square and you meant it the least you can do is keep the conversation going sharing things on social media piping up like challenging your family at Christmas and at family gatherings or on family Zoom calls. Um, but it doesn't feel like an option for a lot of people. And as I've said before, that I don't feel like it's an option to keep the conversation going. So if you, are, if you believe you are an ally, then that's why you have to do it. Because... Yeah, as Desmond Tutu said, if you're neutral, <laughs> you're choosing the side of the oppressor. And so, like, come on, let's do this and let's let's end it because we can only do this together. Like, either you're with us or you are against us. That's the reality. If you're choosing to be quiet, acknowledge that that is a privilege that a lot of people who who are marginalised do not get. We do not get that choice. If we're going to be an anti-racist community, let's do this together and keep it going. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's about using your voice and your privilege, if you have it, to, to yes, stand up for people and to platform voices that don't always get heard in the community. It's really, really important. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing. Do you think there's a connection between racism and mental health? And why absolutely. is that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Sorry, I interrupted you because <laughs> that's how sure I am. Um, growing up in a society that tells you that you are less than for the way that you simply are is traumatic, whether that's over or covert. You know, I remember thinking that I was so ugly as a child because of the way that my hair looked um, and not being able to have the pretty hairstyles and being ashamed because I thought my hair was knotty. Now I understand my hair's not knotty. That is the texture of it. And I will continue to damage my hair if I keep following the standards of all of the white girls that I used to try and copy in school. I didn't think I had a choice. I thought the way that I naturally was wasn't okay. So there's that in terms of looks, but also what's expected of us by people in positions of power, be they teachers. And that was shown um, through the results that came out in 2020 and the algorithms and how people um, who were students of colour or lived in particular areas, their grades were impacted by things about them that they couldn't change. You know, what, what does that communicate to people? 
either that you are less than or that you are going to have to work harder in order to be seen and to achieve what you want to achieve. So that's either giving up or burning out. That's how it's going to impact your mental health. As much as like there is so much joy, like our cultures are beautiful without trying to reduce it and simplify things too much. Our history and our culture is so rich, but it's not to take away that there isn't equity in our society yet. And so we're not treated the same and that has a negative impact on our mental health, including things like, you know, where we live, resources that we have access to. All of these things can also be impacted by race and class. Um, we saw that in Grenfell, for example. And so it would be silly not to expect these things to impact on our mental health. And also just say for anyone who's listening, if you're a young person, reach out for help if you do need it. And we've got some online resources. If you're not comfortable going to talk to somebody about it, you can have a look on our website at www.e-wellbeing.co.uk. And we've got a module on racism and mental health on there. So you can check that out for some for some resources. Are there any projects you'd like to share with us? How can we find out more about your work? Where can we follow you? I'm on social media. I'm on Facebook and Instagram at aflo.thepoet. That's A-F-L-O dot the poet. I'm active, but with my social media breaks, obviously, because it's important. Um, but I'm involved in a couple of projects. So one project is called ARCO, which is the anti-racism community organization which is a new charity I am a trustee for this charity alongside some amazing people but yeah we've been in talks with the council to concentrate efforts on working towards Brighton becoming an anti-racist city as the council stated they would be uh, in 2020 we're hoping to work with other um, black-led organizations in Brighton to create a library of resource where people can volunteer their time with their skills or their efforts to try and uplift this community so say if you're like a personal trainer and you've got two hours a week maybe you want to dedicate those two hours to helping black women engage in sport because that's one of the objectives like um so how can we bring black women back into sport do you have time to help us that sort of thing so um, currently, I'm not sure on uh, website and stuff, but if you search ARCO, A-R-C-O, see what comes up and hopefully we'll have the ball rolling. I'm really excited <laughs> to be like channeling my efforts into something like really direct. I'm also working on a poetry anthology with a group of amazing black women and non-binary folk. At the moment, don't know what we're going to be called. Um, it's all very much like it's a creative process for seeing how it comes out. So basically follow me on on social media and anything else that crops up that I'm doing will um, will be fed to you that way. <laughs> Amazing. I think everyone should give you a follow. There's some really cool stuff on there. Thank you for sharing that. It, no, it's really been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I've had such a lovely time chatting to you all. And great questions as well like really getting me to think about why I do what I do and reminding me <laughs> um that I love it so thank you it's been really great to chat with you Raquel and Phoebe thank you for your questions Sean and Yasmin thank you so much for coming it's been super super nice so bye <laughs> <laughs> bye bye 
Okay, folks, thanks for listening. And thanks so much to Aflo for sharing her poetry and her wisdom on the creative process with us. It has been really inspiring to see her use her voice and creativity to make change. I hope that you feel inspired to get out there and explore your own creativity after listening to that. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it. And remember, for more supportive tips, coping strategies and inspiration to support the mental health of young people, be sure to check out the eWellbeing website at www.e-wellbeing.co.uk. And before you go, be sure to follow us on our social media platforms. On Facebook, that's eWellbeing and Instagram and Twitter, it's at underscore eWellbeing. See you later.